right, boys. So I wanted to ask you, boys, what you think about Uber. Uh, what do I think about Uber? I feel like in the early days, prices got quite low for transport, and now they're back to what they always Where were. Where they were, yeah. Yeah. I knew I was. I had this question ready for you because I wanted to see what you thought, and I did think there might be a little bit of an awkward pause to gather your thoughts. I haven't really hit you up before, but yeah, so yeah, not something I've given a lot of thought to. Uh, well, no, well, it started off as a uh, an in, uh, an introductory like cheaper option than a normal mm. taxi, mm. and it was deregulated, and it caused a lot of um, issues with the taxi industry. Mm. Uh, but I think, as Smitty just said there, the prices now have gone to the level of a normal taxi or whether mm. normal taxis have dropped their prices. But So competition, yeah. they had competition, right? Yes. And taxi industry had to change what they were doing, having yes. maybe a full monopoly of the system. Yep. And offering a shit service. Yep. They, they had a monopoly and they were offering a shit service. Mm. So the reason I ask is because, have you guys heard of the gig economy? Yeah. Yeah. So the gig economy, right, is... Basically, independent workers, contractors, temporaries, casual workers, and Uber fit into that sort of category. They are the, sort of the epitome of the gig worker where, mm. yeah, they're, they're, they're sort of a subcontractor. They don't have any initial – they don't have sort of ties. They're not signing. I they're think not they sort do, of like working nine till five or it's, if you're an Uber driver, you just do what you want, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so – yeah, they can sort of come and go. They're not. So, I think they do sign an agreement with Uber, but they don't sign a workers' contract. So initially, you know, I'm a big man for the worker. Um, initially, I was thinking Uber. You know, they're really exploiting these people. That you know, they're maybe not paying them enough. They're not. Um, you know, they're not giving them any conditions. They're using their own cars. They're paying their own petrol. And I thought that that's you know shouldn't. Shouldn't they're working for this company? They're making this company money. But I was kind of thinking, and this is a segue into what we want to talk about today: is sort of freedoms and the ability to not do what you want, but have the ability to earn money the way you want, sort of medical freedom, etc. But so I was looking into the, sort of the gig economy, and it really got me thinking about how I used to think this was really tough for these. Uber workers, you know, they're, they're busting their asses. They're, you know, working for the man. They're not getting paid what they should. But really, in the end, it it suits these the people that are working there to work this way. So one of the examples that I, I was thinking about was, say, you sign up for Uber as a driver. I, I go to the airport all the time. I can click on and go, oh, all right, if there's a, trip that's coming up i can subsidize my short drive or long drive to the airport by picking someone up taking them there go to the airport do what i need to do or go into the city and that's subsidized say you're a university student and you need to go a place you can pick someone up along the way and subsidize some of the cost or offset some of the cost of travel you know whatever it just allows people the freedom to be able to work in an environment, you know, an environment that suits them. So I don't know if you've seen, and I know it's, I don't know it's the US and California, but I know I don't know if you've seen this this AB five 
legislation or bill that's been passed in the US, no. California. So it's it's effectively doing what I was sort of thinking that Uber previously did was exploit their workers. So this this AB5 bill pretty much is, is essentially a ban on freelance work. You have to be part of a company to work. So the, the unintended consequence of that is it was aimed at Uber paying their people enough, but the unintended consequence of that is then it worked, you, know, you couldn't subcontract PTs, for example, we've just had a PT on in the last episode, they couldn't freelance and just, they have to work for a company, they have to be mm. signed up for a company, and truckers, so the other one is a tr- the truckers, so they're having real issues now in California with the truckers, because they're sort of independent subcontractors doing their thing, but they've got to then be tied to a company. So then a, then a company then has full monopoly over that industry. And that employee. And, and that employee, mm-hmm. and they can't, they don't have the freedom. There we go. We got there. It took me five minutes, but we got to the start of what we're going to talk about today. But having that freedom to be able to work in an area that suits you. So this big gig economy that's going on you know like you pay for you know air tasker and these other things where you get online and you pay for a small amount of work and you go and do it you freelance and you come and go as you please and i know it's different in the the u.s to here but they're hailing this bill in the u.s as um our success and they're trying to implement it over the whole country did you say california Oh, big surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But so, I, I guess it's just another an example of over the last three or four years, or well, you could probably even say over the last, since September 11 happened, there have been incremental uh, snatches away of our small civil liberties and freedoms. Mm. And this is just another flow-on effect of it. And, I yeah. mean, you know, the last couple of years with um, um, things happened and there were all these denials of freedoms and i think you know if we're talking about freedom today and what you're talking about there jonesy is humanity needs freedom to encourage prosperity so Mm. freedom is required to to, for creativity for productivity for exploration for um for for all these sort of things discovery for travel people need to be free to achieve these things Mm. and it's a part of humanity free to work free to transact like if 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 you have the we'll talk about that later, but if you if you have the freedom to transact taken away from you, you're in big trouble. Yeah, aren't you? yeah. Someone freezes your bank accounts, or if you look at the banking system in the future changing, whatever that may look like. Today, you've purchased too much meat. Yeah. Your we've looked at your online account. You've purchased too much meat. You're gonna hurt the climate. Yeah, we're shutting that down. Well, we've got something on meat. your social media that we disapprove of. Yep. So we're closing your account for a week. Well, well, that, that yeah, <laughs> and that may be. I'll tell you guys a story that happened to me. So I got uh, a couple of years ago some obviously very big things happened in the world, and uh, you know there was an emerging threat that came out, and uh, I unfortunately went down the rabbit hole one night. I ended up on uh, on Reddit. You guys. Been to Reddit before? I've, I've I wasn't really that familiar with Reddit, but it's obviously just a place where people go to 
uh, share ideas and converse about things. And there's uh, on Reddit, there's things called subreddits. And so I ended up on the Reddit subreddit of uh, Australia or Australasia. And there was a whole bunch of people talking about this emerging situation that was beginning to unfold. And there was a lot of hysteria, a lot of, uh, you know, we're all going to die and the world's going to go to hell and all this sort of stuff. And I sort of thought, oh, yeah, I'd been reading a bit about what was going on because like everyone else, I was interested. And in the early days, we didn't really know very much about what was happening. Mm -hmm. So uh, as a good citizen, I went onto the Australian government website and I went onto the uh, Australian Bureau of Statistics and I read some statistics. I thought, oh, this will give me the, the picture. Statistics would get me out of trouble. And I, uh, I went on and uh, it essentially said that uh, survival rate of uh, this uh, said emergency was um, in excess of 99.7% and the vast majority of the people who were seeming to succumb to it were over the age of natural life expectancy. So for me, as a man in my early 40s, who I consider to be in reasonably good health, I thought, well, I'm going to be okay. Yep. So I essentially went online and I said, look, people, let's not freak out here. It appears that the uh, mortality rate for this is only 0.3% and that the demographic of people who are dying are generally uh, very elderly and with three or four comorbidities. And I linked a link to the Australian Government Bureau of Statistics website to the bottom because I always like to, I don't like to shoot from the hip, I always like to make, if I'm going to make a post, I like Mm -hmm. it to sound reasonably credible. So I thought, oh, this has got .gov.au at the end of it, credible. Got an email a week later, I had been banned from Reddit for life. No shit. (laughs) That post, not a warning, not a strike, for misinformation, I got banned for life. But you've actually quoted from an official government website. But I also said, you know, hey, people, let's not freak out. This isn't going to be too bad. I think what got me is at the end, I also said, maybe we should focus on uh, eating well, exercise, and getting out in the fresh air and sunlight. I think that was my closing sentence. And I think that's the one that may have got me banned for life. Wow. Freedom of speech. Can't have it anymore. Well, I mean, this is what we're talking about today. But, you know, I love my country. I love Western democracy. But I, I feel like we're just getting squeezed and... Like Rue said a minute ago, I feel like we're losing more and more little, uh, like personal liberties, all the time. Yeah, and su- and suppression of liberty or freedom in general happens incrementally. So you know, it, it starts off with you know, let's let's uh, stay inside for t- for two weeks to slow to, to flatten the curve. Yeah. Before you know it, you're being denied entry into a restaurant because you haven't got a jab. Yeah. You know, so these little these things happen incrementally and you can compare yes. it to other situations like in other European countries in the late 1930s uh, and, and yeah. leading up to World War II. Like these are things that um, were incremental. People were denied entry into a restaurant because of their, their race or religion. Mm-hmm. They were then um, labelled with a, a brand on their, on their chest that identified them in public. Their houses were then stormed and their, their, their personal items were taken and then before they knew it, they were in, you know, in dire straits in, in prison camps for, mm. for whatever reason. So these little things happen incrementally. And I think our generation, we've never had to fight for our freedom. So our grandfathers fought in world wars uh, under the, the guise of fighting for freedom and against whatever um, uh, tyrannical regime was threatening the world at the time. And, and we've enjoyed the luxury of freedom for many, many decades and I think it's only just recently that a few of us have gone, fuck, hang on, we've woken up and gone, my freedoms are being attacked here. 
and they're being threatened. And never before has that happened. And I think, unfortunately, in modern times, we've got so many modern conveniences and um, we're, we're di- and distractions that we aren't seeing them being eroded away. Um, you know, uh, you just look at, you listen to people like um, Yanomi Park. She's been on Rogan. She's been on Zuby's podcast. She, she was uh, a survivor of North Korea. And you talk, listen to her speak, and it's just so moving. She survived, you know, like eating, like, dead corpses on the side of the road and rats and stuff like that, like people just dying in the street from starvation in North Korea, and she got out of there, and she's telling the story. But we've never experienced anything like that. No. And we take freedom for granted. We do. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about freedom is all these small freedoms that you lose – you never get them back. That's wrong. They don't ever seem to come back at the end. They go, oh, yeah. It's... For the large part, once you once you give it up, it's gone. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I guess all of us are a little bit concerned about where things are going. And uh, yeah, just, th- it's just interesting to have a chat about it, isn't it? Do you it think is. we look back in a few years and think what we did then was a little bit crazy? We did a little bit too much? Do you think people look back on those, will look back and say, well, Mm, okay, that was probably an, an overreach. Well, I mean, if we go down the medical freedom rabbit hole maybe first, because it seems like we're sort of leading into that, there's some really interesting stuff coming out uh, sort of in the last few months, which I found very interesting. One of them is that Pfizer, who obviously released one of the two most popular vaccines, the other one being Moderna after AstraZeneca was sort of taken off the market, have said now that they knew that their vaccine would not stop transmission. So they've deposed a lady in court, whatever it's called, who was a you know high up executive or whatever, and she said, we knew that this vaccine would not stop transmission. So one of the main reasons that they gave at the time for, you know, let's look at how we went here. We, we had this thing happen at the start. We all got worried. So we said, okay, we're going to do, uh, going to flatten the curve. We'll do some contact tracing. Contact tracing came into travel restrictions, which came into lockdowns, which came into vaccine passports, which came into QR codes, which came into vaccine mandates, which came into job losses. Um, incremental stages. Incremental. That went quick, though. That went really quick. But a lot of it was based on be a good citizen, go and get your jab so that you don't infect an old person who dies. Media yes. hysteria, too. Media hysteria. Now, unfortunately, as Joe Public, we're not given access to any of the data that's coming out at the time, none of it. Like it took a long court case uh, over in America recently for Pfizer to release all of their paperwork that uh, showed reasoning for what they'd done and they said they wanted to release it over a 75-year period. Now, to me, that's an alarm bell. Yeah. But one of the primary things that these mandates were supposedly based on was this social contract of don't make your neighbour sick, don't go out and make your co-workers sick. Well, if it's not stopping transmission... I think that's a whole different ball game, and I think a lot of people would have had different feelings about their willingness or unwillingness to go and receive the jab. Yep, yep. So to me, that's a big problem. Yeah. So another one was when we had the state of emergency in uh, Western Australia, we were never ever privy to what their decision-making processes, what information was the government using to constantly say, we're in a state of emergency. They would always say, oh, it's subject to medical advice, but they would never release what the advice was. So it just, to me, seemed a little bit undemocratic. Like, I like the scientific method of debate, polite debate, where there's two sides. And what 
the truth side will always obliterate the side that isn't true. Yeah. That's what debate is designed for. Yeah. And it seems like these days, particularly in the aspect of medical freedom, we're not allowed to debate things anymore. We're not allowed to go on and someone says, oh, well, hang on a sec. What about this? There's just the truth, you know, Anthony Fauci, I am science, and everything else is suppressed. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. I like to hear both sides and I like to make up an opinion for myself. Yeah. But I feel like that's not where we are sort of going at the moment, which is it's a bit alarming for me. Well, and, and that, that whole concept, mate, of um, getting that uh, experimental um, medication based on the fact of you protecting others and like looking after grandma and that sort of thing is one of the manipulative um, tools that uh, uh, governments or leaders or, or, or powers that be use to convince us or, or to, to t- take away those freedoms that we have. So, you know, remember after September 11 happened, the US government um, brought in that um, that Homeland Security Department and they also brought in, uh, which allowed them to then massively surveil uh, emails. The Patriot co- Act. The Patriot Act. Yeah, yeah, that's probably it. The Patriot Act allowed them to pretty much invade personal uh, communication and that sort of thing. Um, it's those sort of things that, you know, and, and they, they use the example of safety um, and keeping everyone safe and, and, and well. Um, that's why we're bringing this in. Or, or the what's good for the masses. You know, this is, this, this is good for everyone sort of thing. And, and, and those sort of things sort of brainwash people into, the, into thinking, oh, I've got to do this. But you don't. <laughs> you, you, you have, as a human being, um, a, a right to, to refuse. Mm. Up to a point. Yeah, up to a point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I've looked at, uh, when we prepared for this uh, discussion today, I, ha- I had a look at a, a YouTube channel called Academy of, Academy of Ideas mm. and some of their um, episodes I, I thoroughly enjoy. Uh, they're really sort of deep and um, they, they touch on things that we've just talked about without actually uh, referring to it in yes. directly, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um but one of the one of the beautiful quotes that I I've read from it, uh, and this is they they quoted Albert uh, Camus, which is a, a French philosopher, and he won the 1957 Nobel Prize for Literature. Camus, Camus, is it? Yeah, Albert Camus. Freedom is the air we cannot do without, that we breathe without even noticing it, until the time comes when, deprived of it, we feel that we are dying. And that resonated with me because when we were in lockdowns during those during that that whole period. Um, when we were given no reason why this, what did you call it? That that period was extended. What was it? Um, the state the of emergency. State of emergency. Why that was being extended, and we had to lock down and so on. And it seemed to get extended just all the time, didn't it? It like did. Just, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I felt like I was dying. I remember yeah. I was at home, and I felt like a caged animal. I, I yeah. hated it. I hated not being able to do what I wanted to do, or if I had to do that, I, I couldn't go to this place. I had to wear this on my face. Couldn't go for a surf. No. You know, couldn't. Really do anything. Couldn't no. get out and go for a bike ride, jog. No. And it really, really made me realise yep. about my own personal freedom and how much I've taken it for granted. Yeah. You want to be able to make informed medical decisions of your own body, don't you? Absolutely. You want Say if you're going to have uh, shoulder surgery, you go into one person and they say, uh, yep, you need to go in and have a shoulder reconstruction. You think, oh, man, I don't really want to do that. Hmm. I, I, have, I have the... Ability, the right to go and see another doctor yep. and say, 
this is what this other doctor said. What, what do you think? I need a second opinion. Let's get a second opinion. All right, cool. Uh, actually, no, I think we can we can do fix your shoulder with rehab. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you, as a person, you should have the ability to go to various places and be informed and then make the right decision for you. Yeah, and part Which, of that would be you're going to sit down with your doctor and you're going to ask him some questions. You'll say to that he might show you some uh, scans or something like that. Mm. He'll discuss it with you. This is what we plan to do. This is the reason why. This is a percentage chance of success or failure. These are the possible, you know, side effects. Yep. And you'll take all that information away and you make an informed decision, like say. So. Yeah. I feel like that may have been taken away from us also at that time. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you go back to what we we're talking about, I remember right at the start of it, right, because I could sort of see the way we were going in the early days, and. It, there was literally there was one outcome that was going to save us. It wasn't public health. It wasn't uh, you know living well, eating well, exercising, all that sort of stuff. There was there was going to be one outcome that we're all going to essentially be asked to follow in order to make it through this um, make it through this thing. And I went to an Australian government website again. I'm a real Australian government website buff, apparently. <laughs> and at the time, it was uh, – I can't remember what the website was, but it was the Australian government website and it spoke about the development of vaccines. Because I was thinking, oh, I wonder how long it's going to be before they develop this thing. Because um, I was not keen for it. Um, and, and by the way, I, I did not take the vaccine and there was a lot of personal uh, sacrifice with that, but that was the choice I made. But I went to this Australian government website and it said to develop a safe vaccine, it's generally accepted that a minimum of seven to 10 years is required for initial testing, follow-up testing, safety data, whatever. I screenshotted that and I sent it to my wife and I said, at least, you know, it's probably going to take seven or 10 years before this, this bad boy comes out. Within like a year it was out and I went to that same website and I checked it again and the information on that page had changed. And it said something like, oh, up to a year might be required to develop a safe and effective vaccine. And one of my big problems with this was the fact that this is a new type of vaccine that we've never done before. We had never done an mRNA vaccine in the history of man. We had never used them. So for me, you know, and I have a very slight medical background, I've got a science degree and I've got some postgraduate degrees in sort of nutrition, so not really mainstream uh, heavy science, but... I understand how to read a scientific article. And I thought, ah, for me, that's uh, the risk reward isn't there. So I was trying to make my own informed choice, like you were speaking about, CJ. And I'm thinking, well, risk of, as time went on, more sort of data was becoming available about the sort of person who was dying from it and all that sort of stuff. And the hysteria, for me, had died down somewhat because I was sort of choosing my sources. But I thought, for me, that's not a risk that I want to take because, for me, the risk reward wasn't there. And I just feel like every person should be allowed to make a decision like that based on the best available evidence they've got and also their personal religious sort of ethical beliefs. Yeah. To me, that's medical freedom. Yeah. And and at that time, mate, um, you were sort of ostracised if you wanted to uphold those personal beliefs. Uh, there was oh. there was what I, I think what's his um what's his name that doctor um Matthias Desmond. Um, and um, Dr. Uh, the guy who um, was on Rogan, uh, Dr. They talk about... Um, Malone. Dr. Malone. They talk the about um, mass formation psychosis mm. and how the population was convinced or, or, or gathered together under this, this belief. And anyone that, was, anyone that stepped outside of that, that belief was ostracised. They were... 
they were bad. They were germ-infected. They were second-class citizens. Yeah. You know, like, I, I even recall the, the mayor of Perth um, denied, he said the, 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 the Sky Show, the, the, the fireworks show for um, Australia Day was a vaccinated person-only event. Oh, like, like most things. Yeah, I mean, I think you had a, a famous American um, grunge band uh, who had a concert in the early days um, and said it was a vaccinated person-only thing. I mean, so... I mean, that was commonplace at the end, wasn't it? You couldn't go to the footy or... No. You know, there was, there was no. not much... Uh, you weren't going to any large uh, gatherings or venues or... That's right. And I think that the whole indoctrination of people's minds um, through mass propaganda through the media uh, really, really um, created that what they call that mass formation psychosis. And it led me down the track of, um, of having a look at how obedience, not disobedience, is the greatest threat to our freedom. Oh. So us here, we, we disobeyed. We, we didn't wear masks. We didn't get vaccinated. We, we went to rallies and we went to protests because we thought that something was not right. And I think... The question is, is a peaceful, prosperous society dependent on strict obedience to laws and mandates and dictates? And I come to the conclusion that it's not. I mean, I think laws and dictates and mandates destroy and suppress individuality, creativity, um, productivity, all those things that we did see get affected. Like our economy slid to a point that was disastrous. Mm. You know, and people and still weren't fighting back from yeah, it. Yeah, and people weren't working. Um, mental health just down went went majorly uh, the, the wrong direction. And, um, and, and this, I'll read you another quote, and I, I got this off um, that website I was, I was looking at. This is from Primo Levi. Primo Levi, you might want to correct me on the no. pronunciation there. <laughs> you didn't read Albert Camus when you were in high school? No. The Outsider? No, but this guy, this Albert guy was an Camus. Italian chemist and writer and a, and a Jewish Holocaust survivor. And so this is what he read, and I, I love this quote. Monsters exist, but they are far too few in number to be truly dangerous. The most dangerous monsters are ordinary men and women, ready to believe and obey without asking any questions. Mm. Love that quote. Yeah. Because I know us in this room and multitude of, of other people around the world, we're asking questions. I think, hang on, whoa, 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 this is not right. But very limited people are dying. Um, this is like a flu. How long did it take this vaccine to come out? All these questions were being asked. And even like reputable worldwide scientists and doctors, epidemiologists, all these people were asking questions, but then being shut down by the media. And now with the Twitter files, since Elon Musk taken over Twitter, that's all been exposed that the, Ameri the US government employed the FBI to shut down and use main mainstream social media platforms to shut down anyone who, who was a dissenter or who spoke against what they wanted to deliver. And that so even their freedoms... Qualified people were being denied. Yeah. Well, even your, your average uh, doctor on the street, if you're a GP in Perth or Australia or, I don't know, America, Canada, or any of the main Western countries, they weren't really free to take in all the information as it came and make their own recommendations based on that. That was essentially taken away from them. Maybe a few states in America it wasn't. But I know certainly in Australia, as a doctor, you weren't allowed to say, oh, well, I've actually read some really good studies on you know, dare I say it, ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or vitamin D or whatever the case may be, let's try this. That was grounds for actually being deregistered as a doctor. Um, yeah, yeah. I find that ludicrous. If that, we, that if happened. That absolutely Doc happened. Doctors were yeah, deregistered, deregistered for, I think it might have been even vitamin C and vitamin D. 
yeah, none of it was a valid mm. treatment. It, there was one form of valid treatment and that was it. Mm. And if you went outside of that or if you wrote someone an exemption or something like that. Well, it's a bit like going back to what you said got you banned from Reddit. <laughs> Some doctors were saying nutrition, exercise, vitamin D, and they were they were being deregistered. Oh, and, that, and, that's, yeah. and that's getting back to is that yeah. freedom to transact. Yeah. That's part of that. It kind of it's the overarching thing. They've taken away that person's ability to transact. Yes. Mm. And it would have happened with vaccine mandates. Mm. You couldn't work. Well, if you're an APRA registered practitioner, mm. so doctor, nurse, physio, OT, yeah. you know, there's tons of them. The list goes on. Essentially any sort of mainstream Western yeah practitioner in Australia, then you fall under the umbrella of APRA, yeah. Australian Health Practitioners Registration Agency or something like that. If you didn't get the vaccine, your career was over. Well, that happened to and, that and I can tell to you people. that's the truth because it happened yep. to my wife. Yeah. So my wife had been an occupational therapist for 17 years, fantastic practitioner, uh, refused to get the jab, no longer can or will be an OT. Gone. But the, and the, but the... the, the Terrible thing about this is, mate, APRA are a board of bureaucrats, mate. They're not even health professionals themselves. No. It's been been announced that they are just a, a board of bureaucrats making rules and, and implications on, on medical professionals' lives without any really qualifications themselves. But if anybody should be allowed to make an informed opinion about a medicine, shouldn't it be a medical practitioner? Yeah. 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 So, are you kidding me? Yeah. If the science is strong, they're going to follow it because they're not fucking idiots. Yeah. Like, yeah. come on exactly. now. Done heaps of training. Yeah. Yeah. Show me the science and I'll follow it. Yeah. Show me the science. I would have followed yeah. it. There was none. Yeah. It was crap. Yeah. And what sort of what sort of person are you going to follow or listen to? A, a medical per, a medical professional who's dedicated their lives to the 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 improvement of humanity and and the care of humanity, or a grubby politician who's in it for himself and that's that's what i thought we 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 heard more from politicians about medical advice than we did from doctors and medical professionals well because they were gagged yeah yeah yeah. and any any muppet that came up and and despised what that or or said what the government was saying were just muppets anyway i mean they were you know man i mean what you're saying jonesy about um the uh uh, not letting people transact and and Mm. conduct business i mean is that are we heading down a tyrannical sort of society there? Is, is that like a, um, a Marxist sort of or communist sort of well, it just, society it just, that we're heading to? It just allows people, people as in the government or whoever doesn't like the, the narrative that you're talking about, to be able to shut down what you're saying. And then if they shut down what you're saying, like, okay, well, we're going to de-platform you. You're kicked off Reddit. You can't – you're a – nutritionist but you're a a low carb high fat nutritionist promoting what goes against the food pyramid you know <laughs> so we don't like what you're saying we're gonna we're gonna deregister you as a nutritionist and you can't do anything oh well, that's how i make my money how am i going to transact in the world i can't because i don't have the freedom because you have like smithy said mate not made the truth, but your truth is the truth, and we've got to follow that. Yeah. See that 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 removes that person's ability to make money and then transact in the world, mm. which is what happened with the mandates, right? So you have to. I had to go and 
for me to look after my family and keep my job, I didn't really want to get the vaccine, but I had to go and get it because that's what happens. Mm. My, my ability to transact would have been taken away, yep. which I know is what happened with you guys. You know, that's rough, right? Like personal sacrifices you have to make. Oh, man, we both myself and my wife were not working and we had no income coming in for a while. Mm, and yeah, that was and that's difficult. Super difficult. And that oh, ability to that was super, I, I, I went to a pretty low place, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and um, transact in the world If it hadn't taken been for away. my community of strong friends, and I really found out who my friends were during that, I lost a lot of friends and, yeah. I, and I gained some friends as yeah. well. Yeah. Really distilled my world, if you like, mm. but that was a super tough time, and a lot of people went through that. Yeah, yep. and a lot of people on the other side of it, like yourself, went through it. I know countless people yep. who were vehemently opposed to getting it, mm. who felt that they had just no option. Yeah, you know, stories of people sitting in the chair sobbing as they're being injected. Yeah, yeah. that's not a free no. society where we have the right to choose. You know what our medical journey is. Yeah, yeah, and I've heard it. You know, I don't want to harp on about this like vaccine part of it. We'll get on to some other parts as well because there's lots to get into. But I've heard this seat, this analogy of, oh, well, it's like wearing a seatbelt. You don't mind wearing a seatbelt, do you? Because it you know, does more harm than good. Well, I don't know any seatbelts that will kill me when I'm not even in the car or I haven't been in a fucking car accident. Like, I've been a paramedic for a long... You know, I'm not a paramedic now, but I was. I did my degree in paramedical science and I worked for the state paramedic service over in WA. So I've seen some car accidents and I've seen the result of seatbelt injuries. If you're in a high-speed crash, you get a seatbelt injury. They can be really bad. They can puncture lungs. Uh, it's quite common to have uh, lacerated liver because of the rapid deceleration. You know, you can get a lot of breakages and stuff. But essentially, they do more harm. They do more good than harm, right? Yes. I wear a seatbelt. I wear a seatbelt everywhere I go. What I know in my mind is that seatbelt is never going to injure me when I'm just driving and it's not going to sneak up on me in the middle of the night and cause a blood clot in me while I'm lying in bed. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say that about these jabs. They call, yeah. they, they have known to be causing blood clots, you oh. know, anaphylactic reactions, all sorts like people have died from taking it. Yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt. And, that, that, and that's all coming out, mate. It's all coming out. And yeah. I mean, there was a great um, thing on YouTube uh, just recently. Um, I don't know if you follow this guy, um, what's his name? Dr. John Campbell. And he, um, he read out an Australian government document uh, with of um, the dis- biodistribution data of the the vaccine, uh, which was released prior to the vaccine was released in Australia. So our governing body, like the FDA, uh, the TGA, knew that the liquid na- uh, nanoparticles did not remain in the injection site. Oh, that was the big selling point in the end. They only stay in the injection site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you've got now liquid nanoparticles within 48 hours and they cut off the the testing within 48 hours spreading throughout the body and into also like to, to major organs and mostly the liver uh, but then also the, also the ovaries um the, the the heart obviously which created your myocarditis and your, your pericarditis um the they, brain the brain it went Crosses to every the part of the body barrier. and therefore produced that that spike protein, protein. in every cell that it, it shouldn't have so those that accumulation in every part of the body grew over to 48 hours so they stopped that test they stopped getting those records after 48 hours so no one really knows where the development of these spike proteins and and to the intensity it it, it happens over the 48 hour period because it's not ever documented but they knew this information before they released it in Mm. into the public 
and, and these things are coming out. So the f- I love that um, the, the the freedom of information mm. uh, avenue that the, the public have. And I did use the freedom of information um, during our lockdowns when the state of emergency just kept on seemingly rolling over. So I requested um, freedom of information. It took about three to four months to get an answer. And my simple question was, can you please show us the health advice that they often refer to to um, warrant the extension of a state of emergency? And I got a, a reply back from the health minister, the state health minister at the time. I can't remember his name. But he was said, it "Cook, Robert, yes, yes, Robertson, no, oh, Andrew Robertson was it Andrew Robertson. Might have been him. Okay, yep, yeah. They said uh, we don't have that information to give. They did nothing. It was a one-page letter. Thanks for your Freedom Information Act uh, information request. Uh, considering your uh, request, we do not have that information. Hmm. So you think under a Freedom of Information Avenue, they would be able to provide the health advice that they were extending mm. these states of it, but they couldn't." Yeah, because that's a pretty big thing taking away your population's freedom to move. Yeah, it's not like an, un, you know, a, a small little thing. It's probably one of the most ah. important things in people's life is the ability to be able to carry on. Yep, you know, going out, catching up with friends. Like people couldn't go to funerals. They couldn't go and see their loved ones die. Yeah. At the yeah. height of it, you couldn't yeah. even touch your loved one. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was that lady yeah. that couldn't cross the border from New South Wales to Queensland. She was yeah. pregnant, and her yeah. baby died. Because she couldn't get hospital care, and her, her unborn baby died. Yeah, because uh, she wasn't allowed to cross the border. There were families separated who, unfortunately, were geographically separate when the hard borders went up. Yeah, parents separated from kids. All, all yeah. sorts of crazy things. But it, it was such yeah. a massive removal of our personal freedoms. And it, it first started, mate. And, and I'll, that um, you know, the totalitarianism, the enslavement of a population, starts first with enslavement of the, of the mind, and that's what we saw. So we saw constant propaganda. In the news, we saw a 24-hour news cycle of, of just Muppets sitting up there on the screen, 24 hours a day, giving us a, a, a number, a case number. And, and, and then you saw politicians come up on the TV every couple of hours, giving their spiel. And it's like, this is just nonsense. Like, this mm. is over the top. Well, it's crazy, isn't it? You think about those numbers. We got daily updates, yeah. daily press conferences to tell us how many numbers of people were crook. You couldn't escape it. No. It was total enslavement of the population's mind. And, and that's and that's why people were caught up in it. And yeah. pa- that's why people were worried, right? But of course. So what hap- what's happening now? What if I if I was to get ill, what would happen? Well, nothing. You can just nothing. walk around with covid now. Carry on, right? Carry on. Doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> cool. So do we now look back on what we've done and go was that a was that a little bit of an overreach? Was that or or do people think okay, well what what they did was was correct in Locking everyone down. No, that's not. Giving them no. some. His evidence now proves that lockdowns didn't work, but we kept on doing it. <laughs> that's what I, I couldn't understand. So initially they locked us down and, and took away freedom of, of movement to, under the impression that that was going to reduce the spread of it, but it didn't. So what, what, what happened was, I think it was 80% of transfer was in the house. So if someone yeah. was crook, you stay home, but no one else can go anywhere, can't go outside, can't get sunlight. Stay in the area where somebody has got it, and yeah. then everyone gets it. Yeah. Oh, but close the door. Well, what if you've you got in a somewhere house? else to go? What if you live in a house with one bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that may have contributed to it, but do 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 people believe that? Okay, well, getting getting the jab helped, like slowed it down, or 
I'm not sure. Well, I'll, I, tell you, I, I'll tell you my COVID experience. I had a really sore back um, for a day. By day two, I reckon I could have gone for a run. Yeah. I didn't feel great. I, I never got a cough. Uh, I never got a sore throat. I basically got a sore body mm. and I felt tired. I slept mm. a fair bit. Mm. I had some naps, had some afternoon naps. It was pretty good because I got my seven days off work because I got my positive yeah. <laughs> everything. And I got a, quite a sore back on the first day. Yeah. And by day two, I was, I was pretty good. So and, and in the end, I mean, <clears throat> most people are really good, right? Most people, if they're sick, they are going to stay home and get better. Nobody wants to be sick. I don't no. want to get anything. I don't want to get gastro. I don't want to get, I don't want to, I don't want to come into my workplace and somebody be ill, have gastro, cold, flu, no. whatever it is, and pass it on. You know, we've, we've got some good workplace laws where you can stay home. Sick leave, use it, right? Mm. So people aren't aren't silly. If they're ill, sore back, chills, vomiting, whatever it might be, they're, they're going to stay home. There was no chance I was going out because I'm a mm. polite, respectful person. Yeah. I don't spread my germs. doesn't yeah. matter whether it's COVID, the flu, gastro, whatever. Mm. I don't I don't come to work sick. Yeah. I know a lot of people that do. <laughs> I think, mate, so CJ, when you workplace. said, um, are we going to look back on that time and think, did we overreact? I think... Well, that's what I, well, that's what I mean. Did, do did we did we overreact? Uh, are people going to look back and go, did we overreact, or did some of it help and they got through? But I think we'll look back at it as that first step of enslavement. So that that was mind control. So you think they'll the use that again? That'll happen again? Yeah, yeah. That, it was a it was a test case. Yeah. And what they've done now is that the, the second um, move to a totalitarian state is. Physical enslavement. Do you? So now, let me finish. You've just got, (laughs) you've got over surveillance. Yeah. You know. So I don't know. Since in the last two or three years, you've noticed the amount of cameras coming up now. Facial recognition cameras. That's not COVID related, though. Well, that that would have happened. That's been happening for years. I I think you're right. It has been happening for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It might have. So there was there was over policing. So you know you saw the over particularly in places like Victoria where the police force like. like beat people up, choke people out. They were walking yeah. the street without shot a mask on. Uh, shot them with rubber bullets. Those rubber bullets. That's not. That's no joke either. No man. No. That is. No, that's not like oh, some little pellet like your kid's gun that bounces off you. Those yeah. things break bones, fracture skulls. What, what, what I'm getting at is, is just like that these these acts that we observed, and I think we are still observing. I mean, like you know, being denied entry into some place because you haven't complied to something. These these things are in place, and and they're happening. Um, you know, now we're looking at like a digital currency. I mean, this is another form of physical sort of enslavement. Freedom to transact. Freedom to there transact. You, you know, like a digital currency, the platform, I've, I've, I've read somewhere that the platform that this digital currency is built upon allows for banks or whoever or financial institutions to to monitor and control your, spend, your expenditure. Mm, that's what I mean, yeah. And you've spent too much on... Yeah. Cigarettes. So, so, so we're, we're, shutting we, you we're down. talking about freedom here. Where are, where are we heading? I mean, COVID aside, yeah. put that aside. Think about all the – I mean, they, they totally brainwashed our, our population. To prepare them for what I see is total enslavement and, and a totalitarian state. Do, what I'm getting at is don't, do you think that people ha- – looking back and maybe, maybe still too raw at the moment, but th- three years' time, four years' time – we look back and go, that was, that was too much, that was a lot, right? And if something else was to happen, 
do you think we would fall back into the same well, uh, problems? Or do you think we'd go, okay, well, we're a little bit smarter now. We've yes. woken up a little bit. Yes, I think you're right there. They've woke, we've woken up a little bit to that whole viral agenda because they tried with the monkeypox thing and people just like fuck off we're not we're not we're not going down this <laughs> that road was again a failure to launch, wasn't it, yeah, yeah yeah i mean they've tried with other things as well and i think now you're looking at the climate change agenda and if we're looking at tyrannical conditions um of of just like they, they tried it they tried i mean we're looking at these 15 minute cities so what what sort of what sort of freedom uh, obliging government or authority keeps people within a 15-minute radius or 20-minute radius of their homes under the guise of climate change. Because is, is that what they're doing? Well, they are. Oxford, the, 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 the suburb or whatever you call it in England of Oxford, have put barriers, physical barriers. Through so you the, can't through, through get through out of the, your 15-minute No, you can get out, but, but you need only, a only a certain amount of times a year you need a permit. And they're essentially trying to encourage these either 15 or 20-minute cities where you have everything you need, so uh, healthcare, shopping, leisure, within a 15 or 20-minute, yeah. not drive, walk yeah, I get that. from your home. And that's not yeah. a bad idea. Well, to, to, have, to have the uh, f- freedom to walk to places that you don't yep. have to, that's, I get that, but... Not being able to leave—that's not—that's not right. Well, yeah, you, you're right. Your, your first point: you should have the freedom to walk to places within fifteen or twenty minutes. Of time. I think that's cool. Well, you should, awesome. al- yeah. you should also yeah. have the freedom to go beyond that. That's right. Yeah, without as many times as yeah. you want, and Make without being fined for for exceeding those times. Make it as amazing and accessible as you can, so that I don't want to leave, but give me the choice to leave whenever I want. That's I didn't know they were doing barriers and yes. Yeah. So there's bollards and barriers that they've made on roads and there's been mass protests in uh, Oxford and other um, are, right. are they counties is Oxford a county or a shire uh, or what, you know like a city whatever yeah. Oxford shire they would do things like put flower planter boxes across roads yeah uh, put bollards there's been thousands of people protesting and they've done things like burnt down some of these bollards and smashed up some of these flower things so, so why are they not but wanting people to leave well for carbon so they don't want people to be driving too much because we now have a climate crisis. So you could leave, but you got to go on the train? Yeah, I believe if you use Possibly. public transport, probably you could get out that way, but definitely not driving your own uh, motor vehicle. So if you leave more than X amount of times in a year, you'll receive a fine. So Victoria are looking at Victoria implementing 20-minute cities. So they're giving the people an extra five minutes, which is great. But mm. within 20 minutes, you've got everything within you. And, you know... You call me a tinfoil hat or whatever. Yeah, but I was just going to say, is this a little conspiracy? Like, no, no, that's getting out of it, those mate. things. They've announced it. Look, you can get out, but you're not allowed. You wouldn't be allowed to drive your car every day, twenty five minutes. You would not be allowed to do that. You'd get fined. Why couldn't work? Well, I think they give that's you seven. Right. I think they give you something like seventy days a year. So you're going to have to start working from home, getting a job. They're talking about having employment, healthcare, retail. Do I get an exemption? Well, I don't know if you do, mate. Like, fucking hell. Right. You know, and, cool. and, and then we talk on the climate thing. These, um, these, these Dutch farmers, the Dutch farmers, the, the Dutch government want to um, take away 3,000 farms which have been in f- people's families for generations based on the fact that they're producing too much nitrogen and therefore contributing to climate change. So farmers over there are... Anyway, I talk about civil disobedience. 
farmers over there are protesting. And look, look at the, the protests in France now. The, the, the French government, although it's contributing billions of dollars to, the, to Ukraine in the war against Russia, whatever, however you want to define that, they're now saying that their, their, their people have to work from 62 to 64 now before you can retire. Yeah, that's been a big uh, sticking point for them. We're 67 over here, aren't we? Is it? Yeah. But yeah. The, beauty, the beauty of the French, though... And, and and kudos to them for getting together and and they can protest and protesting, man. Yeah. Like they and that's the thing. Like civil disobedience takes a heroic act of someone. And and I had a look into this, and you know, it, it, it takes one individual or a couple, a handful of individuals to start a revolution. You know, and and people. The, the question is, how does that one person or group of people? Um, tap into the senses of the of of others because everyone's waiting for everyone else to do something. No, we will yeah. sit around and go, fuck this, this is shit. <laughs> well, let's protest about it. Oh, well, someone else will start it. Yeah. And especially Australians. We are so laid back and, mm. and ridiculously yes. apathetic. Yeah, we are. That well, it goes back to what Smithy was saying. We haven't really had our freedoms challenged. At, at no, all. we haven't. No. But it has to be like a mass. So uh, that mass formation psychosis where the population is brainwashed works on the masses. So it takes a mass to reverse it. It cannot just take individuals. It has to take a mass to reverse that that tyrannical sort of brainwashing propaganda machine, you know. It's a, and it's up to people to to to, to come together. Mm. So I like that you've mentioned um, civil disobedience. So there's a very important distinction I think that we would make here is I don't think any of us are talking about doing criminal actions or breaking a law. Exactly right, mate. And yep. we're not ever talking about. Uh, violence yep. or confrontation. Yes. But I think, um, you know, a little tinfoil hatter called uh, Martin Luther King, you know, one of the greatest men in American history for black rights, Yep, you know, which I fully support. I support everybody's rights. Came up with this concept of civil disobedience. If, if you don't like something, don't go out and smash everything up and violence and war, but no. don't participate. That's right. If you don't like it, don't participate or in it. Or peacefully protest about or, or it. Or peacefully protest. Yep. Yeah, you know, be be disobedient, but don't be criminal and don't be violent. Yes, I mean, th- here we go. Nineteenth century American philosopher Henry David Thoreau: disobedience is the true foundation of liberty. The obedient must be must be slaves. And even yeah. good old Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's, oh, he's, here's a quote: "Do the voice." <laughs> oh, I can't break the rules, not the law. As you're just saying, yeah, yeah. yeah break break the, rules, the rules, not the yep. law, but break the rules. It is impossible to be a maverick or a true original if you're too well behaved and don't want to break the rules. Yep. Great quote. Yeah, I love we're, it. And yeah. we're not talking yep. about violence or or, no, or, no, or never, being, never. you know, those sort of things. We're, we're talking about having a conscience, and, and, and you know, somewhere like for me on that whole period of the two or three years. I don't know what it was inside me that made me act against what I was being, what was being delivered to me, but it was just my conscience in the fact that something wasn't right. Something, and, and, I've, and I've read that this is, this is where individuals start to stand up and become dissidents and, and, and take action against tyrannical sort of regimes. Their conscience tells them that this is not right. And I vividly remember that, and, and if you deny, Acting within your conscience. If you deny acting um, once you've realised that consciousness, then you're you're tr- you're a traitor to yourself. Yeah, and, and, to, that's, and to your society. Yeah, yeah. And that's one thing I could not, and what I admire with you guys and, and the group of friends that we we went through that journey with, 
no one became a traitor to themselves. No one, no one backflipped on their consciousness. Consciousness. A few people had to, as you mentioned mm. before, Smitty. Yeah. A few people w- were stuck in such a jam that to survive and put bread on the uh, t- on the table and pay the bills, they had to. Yeah. But it went against their consciousness. Yeah, and I would also add, I don't have any uh, misgivings against someone who was lining up to get the jab. Good on you. That's awesome. You've yeah. done your own research. Yeah. That's I hope. freedom to choose, right? That's freedom. Yeah. I yeah. fully support if yeah. every single person in the world except me wanted to go and get it, I'd say, fill your boots, go yeah. for your life. Yeah. I, but you I'm don't not, need I'm someone not, to tell you. I'm not anti-vaccine. Yeah. I'm not saying let's burn down the factories and stop the distri- – make it available to every single person, right, knowing that every single person probably isn't going to take it up. And they're going to make their informed choice. Yeah, like yeah. I think every single person in the world should eat really well and get sunlight and breathe fresh air and drink clean water, but I know they're not going to do it and yeah. I wouldn't force them. Yeah. yeah. You want to yeah. sit on the couch and play Nintendo and eat Cheetos every day, fucking fill your boots. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's very good, but I'm not going to force you. Like, I mean, we didn't close down fucking bottle shops during this pandemic. Mate, that was... We didn't stop selling cigarettes. But we closed down churches. But we closed down churches and we closed down fucking people going for a surf or, you know, all these crazy things. Yep. The hypo- go hop- out and the hypocrisy is crazy, isn't it? The hypocrisy? Yeah. Yeah. We know what alcohol does to you, but... Yeah. Yeah, knock yourself out. Yeah. You know, Drink we as left much as you want. Bunnings open, but we, didn't, but we made a lot of Ma and Pa stores close. Yeah. Because Bunnings is essential for your hardware needs, but fucking... You know, too bad if you own a little Mar and Pa hardware store, you yeah. get you're getting closed. You know, the yeah. you know, go to a restaurant, wear a mask when you get in there, but once you're seated, take your mask off. Mm. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Don't use paper money at the petrol station to pay for your things, but we'll sell you a magazine and a newspaper and all this other shit made of paper. Yeah. The, the the amount of stuff that was just mind bogglingly crazy. It just didn't make sense. And, and, I, and I'll tell you, just said, I don't know why you didn't do it. I'll tell you why I reckon you did it. It's because you've got kids. The reason I took the stance I did, which fucking nearly mentally ruined me, was because I got a little girl and I care about the world she grows up in. Yeah, yeah, definitely, mate. I feel like before I had kids, I was a much more selfish person. Eh, you know, whatever, I'll get by. Yeah. Whereas now I'm like, I've got a little girl. She's small. She needs to grow up in this country. And I love my country and I want to see it a really good country to live in because that's the country I grew up in. Yeah. I don't want to see the destruction of my country. I want to see it prosper and I want it to be an awesome, cool place to live, like the best country in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're exactly right, mate. And, and that the, my kids and, and their future was in the forefront of my mind. What, what sort of world do I want them to live in? And if I, if I go against my consciousness and my beliefs and my stance here, am I then just... As, as a mass part of the population contributing to this world where their freedoms are denied, yeah. are they going to have to have a vaccination to travel anywhere out of their own country? Whereas I travelled the world back in the 90s without any thought of any medical procedure to, to allow me to do so. Yeah, well, there's still swathes of the world that I can't go to due to yeah. mandates. Yeah. You know, for a while, I couldn't fly anywhere. I couldn't even leave my state. Yeah. Couldn't even leave my region for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't travelled in, in two and a half years, nearly three years, and I'm, I'm now travelling in May to New South Wales to see my brother. Mm. And I'm, I'm really anxious about it. <laughs> I'm anxious about the fact of getting on an aeroplane and just the whole travel thing now because I haven't done it for so long. Whereas back in the day when you're travelling, you know, you you, 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 the, the, the process is streamlined, you know, you do it so often. Now I'm a little bit, oh, man, I've got to check in here, do this, get my bags, blah, blah, blah. But what you were saying there, mate, it was interesting – like you, you said that you had no qualms about anyone medically having the freedom to, to get vaccinated, and and I was the same. And um, if we're going to sit here and 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 sprout off about freedom and all that sort of stuff, we need to acknowledge the fact that yep, 
we un- we were appreciated people having the freedom to choose to get vaccinated or, or, or whatever they wanted to do. Wear mm. a mask out in the in the fresh air while they're walking on their own or driving their car by themselves. That's up to them. That's your freedom to do so. But what really fucked me off was I gave them that freedom, but they did not give me the freedom to make my alternate decision. My decision was opposite to theirs, but they they refused to acknowledge me as a human being or or or, or, or um, go out with me or let me come into this restaurant because I I chose another f- my freedom. You know what I mean? So I found that was hypocritical if we're talking about mm. hypocrisy. Yep. We got told that we, it was we were the reason that everyone else's freedom had been taken off them. That's right. Well, become the the, um, the virus of the the plague of the the pandemic of the vaccinated. I mean, before all this silliness, we always knew that herd, immuni- herd immunity would be achieved at around the eighty percent mark, and that that would come from either natural exposure or a vaccine. And then we got told that oh well, if you had it naturally, that doesn't count. There's no a nat- vaccine that was one hundred percent effective. No, no, you would get herd immunity. So you know the herd, your yeah, population. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you you needed the vaccine to be fully effective for that to occur. Oh yeah, you did, which yeah, it wasn't. That's right. Yeah, but but what we were taught, you know, what we knew before all this was herd immunity came at around eighty percent. You never needed a hundred percent. But then the goals changed. I don't know if you guys remember an issue. It was seventy percent. We need target is seventy percent. Then things go back to normal. Then it was eighty yeah. percent. They said, oh well, hang on, the eighty percent doesn't account for uh, people who aren't eligible, like children and all that stuff mm. like that. And then they obviously made a lot of children eligible, that's right. and babies good. and all that sort of stuff. And then it went up. But the narrative was always. Uh, the anti-vaxxers, anti-vaxxers, you know, that's, I've had a lot of vaccines. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I chose not to get the COVID vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was the other thing that was ridiculous, wasn't it? You got... You got labelled, mate. And labels, labels, that. Words even. became weapons mm. and labels became weapons. And, and it was just part easy of to put someone in a box. Now you're an anti-vaxxer. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm a medical professional. I worked in the ambulance service for a number of years through some really bad flu, um, mm. I can't say pandemics or anything, but some really bad flu seasons arguably, which would rival COVID, uh, I never had a flu vaccine. Nobody ever asked. Do you know why? Because it's medical inconfidence. It's none of your business. Mm. Everyone's medical business is everyone's business now. Yeah. I'd people pull me up on the street. Have you been vaccinated? Yeah. How about you going? Fuck off. F off. Yeah. None of your business. What yeah. I do. You do what you do. I'll do what I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you had employees asking. Yeah. You know, I, I might. Well, we had a vaccine passport. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter just went for a job at a, a major chain supermarket. A month or so ago, mm. after no mandates, and, and they asked her if she's vaccinated. Yeah. And she's got, a, obviously, a medical exemption, and she said no. She didn't get the job. But they're still asking. Yeah. It's none of your fucking business. Mm. Yeah. We can't discriminate on anything in the world except... Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's another hypocrisy, isn't it? You can't discriminate on, uh, yeah. you know, gender or race or ethnicity or religion or anything like that, but you can Beliefs. fucking well distribute yeah. on uh, medical choices. This exact same supermarket just released their... Um, their uh, diversity and equity um, campaign where they welcome everyone in their store, their workplace. Uh, they got the rainbow flag there. And so they everyone's should. Everyone's right? welcome. Like, all, everyone's yeah, included. Yeah, so they should, exactly. But, but why do they have but to say that? Why do they have to say, say that? Yeah, don't say exactly. Everyone, ca- Everyone's welcome. Like, yeah. what, what have I got to put a big sign up to yeah. say everyone's welcome? But everyone's yeah, no actually, shit. Everyone's they should actually be. not though. Everyone's not welcome. Because yeah. my daughter wasn't. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But they got they got they got to be seen to be saying... It's all bullshit. It's all... Fucking so theatre, man. It's so it's theatre. Yeah. The big question is that we're talking about these people, the, the population having this this mass sort of psychosis. The big question to me is how do you awaken a population 
um, to the necessity of, of disobeying tyrannical laws and mandates? How do you awaken? So oh, I've tried. I've tried talking to some mates who I've, I, I care about because I love them. And I'm, and I'm trying to deliver this information. And I'm, I'm the worst person to deliver information because I get facts and numbers wrong and I, I, I stumble over Passionate, words. probably. You're not a doctor. Are you a doctor? Yeah. Where'd you get your medical degree, mate? Yeah. But they, but they won't <laughs> listen. And the facts are there if they, if they looked at an alternative source of information, which, which, a few, which we have. And I'm not saying I'm the fucking guru, but I'm just saying, will you please have a look at this? But they won't even look at it. So the big question is, is how do you awaken people from a mass psychosis that we went through? Do you hit them with the truth? Do you, do you give them like, reason and evidence? Well, it's a fine balance, isn't it? It's a super fine balance. You know what fucked them up, mate? Fear. Fear, yeah. Fear. The government yep. used fear to control people's minds and, and turn people against each other mm. and to, to make them not listen. Well, fear is a weapon, isn't it? It is. You can control people's behaviour by using fear. Yep. Um, we know people don't make rational decisions when they're in fear. Yeah. You've got that reptilian brain they talk about where you just don't make good decisions when you're scared. You get into fight or flight and you make yep. rash decisions. And you obviously, as a um, you know a, a primitive being that we still are, we, we want to be safe. Yeah. That's our desire. So if someone says, hey, it's safe over here, you go, yeah, fuck, I want to come over there. Yeah. Yeah. And when you've got a population whose minds are filled with fear, uncertainty, um, confusion, they become immune to listening or to common sense. Mm. They, they become immune to, to reason. And then throw in... They don't want to reason. Throw in social pressure. Yep. yep. Throw in it's isolation. You want to be part of the group. Throw in financial hardship. Freedom to transact. Freedom to transact. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot there. You know, we're only touching the surface. But I mean, I sometimes did and sometimes didn't wear a mask when the mask mandates were in. I wasn't that staunch dude that always didn't wear a mask. I did. Sometimes I wore a mask and sometimes I didn't. And the times I didn't was so bloody hard for me because I'm essentially a conformist. And I also don't like to make other people feel scared. You could see the terror in people's eyes sometimes. Mm. Yeah. I went to Woolies one time without a mask on, right? And it was bloody hard and everyone was hating me and staring at me. I was yeah. ready for a confrontation. Yeah. I was ready for someone to square, square up with me and yeah. honestly, that's how I felt. Well, you saw videos like in the US people were assaulted oh, in supermarkets. Yeah, yeah. But the thing that got me was the look of absolute fear in like elderly people's eyes and stuff like that when they saw you. Yeah. You're like fucking patient zero. I had people jump back because I had an exemption. Yeah. I have um, breathing issues. Yeah. So the doctor, yep, yeah, cool, gave me an exemption and- yeah. People, yeah, one one lady jumped back. Yeah. You know, I was refused service from some places. Mm. I was oh, not yeah. allowed to enter. Yeah. It, it was yeah. really hard. So put all those things in, you know, financial, social, you know, fear-based. It was super, it was super hard to, mm. to resist. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how. Well, here's a good quote, mate. We were talking about logic. I've been... Pumping out a few quotes. Yeah, I, I yeah, like them. This it. one's a, a writer and a, um, a Holocaust survivor. Um, and he's quoted this after visiting the Soviet Union in the 1960s. His name was Eli Wiesel or Eli Wiesel. Logic will not help you here. You have your logic, they have theirs. And the distance between you two cannot be bridged by words. Mm. And Which how is, true is that? That's what happened. There was, there was no grey area in that no. time. There was you're no. on one side, 
And on the other side, you're a conspiracy theorist, yes. anti-vaxxer. Yep. And yet, well, <laughs> well I'm not. I'm, I'm, I want to make some informed decisions. I want to make my own mind up. Don't, don't get grumpy at me. But that's yeah. what happened. And yeah. there wasn't any, there wasn't any middle ground. I, I didn't think. Yeah. And do you know who I blame for that? You know that sort of I no hope, debate, no middle ground. I hope you say the media. I'm going to say the media. Yes. And I'm going to say academia. As an academic, I'm not an academic, but I've spent mm. some time in uni and I understand the art of academic debate. There was no debate. Well, that's what science is, right? Science is you, the art of polite debate. Yeah, and you, you 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 propose a hypothesis. Yes. And you test to see if that hypothesis is correct. Yes. And then if it is correct or it's not, you have you have the ability for peers in your area to attack it, recreate yep. it, mm-hmm. and break it down. And then Absolutely. have the debate about which side is right or wrong, or maybe there's not. Maybe there's a little bit of grey in the area. Like, yeah, you're both right. Yep. However, we didn't have any of that. That got that got quashed by Absolutely. those people that were speaking up and they were deplatformed, their ability to transact and make money. That got shut down. They lost their jobs. Then they came out on social media platforms. They lost their ability to speak on those social media platforms. Mm-hmm. And and those people were very highly rated people in their fields of that area of science that we should be discussing. We had Biology, Nobel Prize winning virologists, Nobel Prize winners, who came out and said, whoa, wait, yeah. conspiracy theorist. Yeah, but we couldn't Hunter. listen to him. Yeah. Nobel Prize winner, the highest yeah. award in science. The yeah. most pres- You're not getting a Nobel Prize just for... You know, yeah, and that, uh, what, small. what we'll do, we'll take advice from a computer nerd who made up a computer program, and, and politicians and people that didn't don't Bill have Gates. any background in what we're talking about. Yeah. Know? So here's one of the big problems, and you just touched on it, is looking at numbers versus looking at data yes. modeling. Yes. What does the modeling suggest? Yeah. We don't know, so we're going to go to the Doherty Institute. That's yep. who Australia used for a lot of their modeling. Because obviously it's a it's a it's a novel, you know, novel virus. So we've yeah. never seen it before, so we don't know. So we and a do lot some of the stuff that was, but the, the the decisions that they made were based, based on this model. On this model, well, and then our infamous one is that man, Matt Hancock in the UK, and his whatever university um, model predicted hundreds of millions of people will die from this virus. Yeah, and that just scared the fuck out of everyone. There's your fear again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the Doherty modelling is frequently wrong. A number of times through history they've done modelling and it's been crap, right? And the Doherty modelling in Australia, I think, I could be wrong on this, so I'm reluctant to say it, but so everyone check me because you should always check everything that we Ooh. say and make your own decisions. But I think it said something like 150,000 people in Australia could die of COVID. Now, obviously, we had less than, have we broken 1,000 yet? I think we were at 900 or something a while ago. I don't think it was very high. Deaths. Deaths. Is it like 900 or something like that? I don't know. Yeah. I would have got to be Jamie's day and look that up. But anyway, <laughs> we didn't get anywhere. We certainly didn't have 150,000 deaths from COVID. But COVID? With COVID or from COVID? Oh, whatever. But modelling, you know, data versus modelling. I understand we use modelling when we have no data, but then as data comes in, get get rid of the modelling. Yes. Yeah. Because yep. modelling uh, uses inputs that a human being has put in. Yeah, and assumptions. What, is, what are his motivations? Yeah. If you use... All of your parameters are worst case scenario. I can make a pretty bad model. If all of them are best case scenario, I can make a pretty good model. Mm. What are your motivations? What are you trying to achieve? Who's yeah. funding you? Yeah. You know, it's 
we we now know after all those leaked uh, WhatsApp messages from Matt Hancock. Yeah. Uh, you see those where he's talking to his other um, mate about, uh, or when do we release the second strain? That should scare the shit out of him or something like that, you know? Yeah. The, the author of the of the book helped uh, release these, these um, messages that he's been sending through. Bill Gates owes me a big one or something like that, you know? <laughs> Oh, Getting them all vaccinated. Mate, there's, there's who so that much dude? corruption. Is that a oh, I no, saw no, that Matt one, Hancock, man. Matt Hancock. Yeah, who was he? He he was the health minister, I think, in the UK at the time under the um, Johnson, Johnson, Boris Johnson government. And he was the one that came out with all the recommendations initially for the mass lockdowns and, right. uh, and all that. Yeah. And he was saying that this second strain will scare everyone. Yeah, so well, when, we when are we going to bring it out? When do, we, when do we release it? Is that a bit of a piss take? Or? No, man, these are... No, no, no. I, I know, I know what you mean, but in in the context, is he? Is he? Uh, you you got to look at the other legit. messages around it. Um, yeah, right. It seemed a legit conversation. It's quite a um, egocentric sort yeah, of person. Okay. So it wasn't sort of tongue in cheek kind of. Nah, man. You know, nah. and I guess that's hard to gauge nah. on a and, text message, but. And I guess um, you know, he, him being a part of a government, governments were using coercion, um. And, and force in some ways yeah. to, to re- remove people's freedoms during that period. I'm not, I'm not sure it's a – the whole thing was set up as a full-blown, you know, years in advance. But I definitely think that governments and people in those in that used – What's, what's the quote? Never let a good vir- yeah, virus, never, never let a good, good crisis, crisis go to waste. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what they did. Yeah, they exploited the situation. Yeah, I, I don't know how conspiracy theorist you get, but they were drunk on power, mate. Some yeah. of them just like drunk on power. I mean, you saw our premier get up on stage every day, and he just looked so arrogant in mm. the way he spoke to us, like we were children. Really fucking off, so, you know. And and, and you been read quiet here, lately. you know, yeah, he has been hey? <laughs> yeah. really, really quiet. Yeah, that's yeah. What I haven't noticed. I mean, and that was part of the thing was he was everywhere. And, yeah, and you like yeah. you say yeah. he was important, right? Yeah. Everyone looks to him every day. I'm watching his press conference. Thanks for keeping us safe, Mark. Yeah, Stay many, strong for WA. How many numbers have we got oh. today? Well, how's the clowns that got tattoos of him? And and, and yeah, people that got they got their vaccination, um, whatever they got their whatever brand or whatever company they got, the pharmaceutical company got tattoos on their arms. Did you see that thing? It was like a sign-off for people at one stage. Like you get on, uh, like, uh, I used to spend a bit of time on LinkedIn. There was a bit of, um, I thought there was a bit of reasonable debate on LinkedIn because it's mostly professionals and a lot of yeah. uh, sciencey people would actually engage in a little bit of debate on LinkedIn, but it became a bit of a thing on your bio. Be like, oh, double Pfizer vaccinated, recent, most recent update. You know, you put it in your bio, like, you know, your name, your qualifications and your vaccination status. Yeah. And mate, this, these, these, crazy, people, mate. these are people what um, Oberon Herbert, who was an English writer and philosopher, called ciphers. So for a, a centralised government or a ty- tyrannical or, or controlling government to work, they need a population of ciphers, mm. C-I-P-H-E-R. And a cipher is um, those who lack the moral autonomy and critical thinking and can't act or don't have the courage to act or are afraid to think for themselves. So those people like that, and they obey the orders of political um, class, consuming propaganda, and you know, are dumbed down by all these modern sort of you know what we get on our phones, what we watch on TV, and stuff like that. And a nation of here's a quote: 
Edward R. Morrow, another quote for you, American journalist. A nation of sheep will beget, will be, will beget a government of wolves. Mm. Mm. And that's what, I, that's what these governments require, people to get, you know, tattoos on their arms about what Pfizer vaccine they got or a premier who saved them from COVID or, or putting on their LinkedIn account, double vaxxed and all this sort of shit. These people are, have become ciphers. They have become... And what then? What you call them is um like, uh, what's the word? They like a um a mass of um like clones, like um or drones that don't think for themselves. They just go along like that movie nineteen eighty four. Yeah, you know, are we heading down that well. track? Yeah. Well, where are we headed? Like, I mean, it seems to me like we're headed towards more centralized control. Like we have all these large, um, organizations. With yes. unelected officials yes. who seem to be grabbing more and more power, which seem to be a big um, sort of precursor to loss of freedoms for us. Yeah. So one example would be the World Health Organization. Yeah, the pandemic treaty. So they've got this pandemic treaty that they're trying to get across the line. And uh, as of uh, the start of March, so a few weeks ago for us, they've released sort of draft zero of this pandemic treaty. Now, Australia is a member of the WHO, and uh, we've, you know, we're actively taking part in these negotiations. But essentially, what the WHO wants to be able to do is to manage potential uh, and current pandemics as part of this treaty. But I'll tell you what else is in this treaty because I've read it. It's thirty-two pages. This draft zero. I read it the other night. It's an interesting. Well, it's a bit of a dry read, but there's some interesting things in there. They, first of all, they want it to be legally binding. So if your government signs onto it then they want that to be a legally binding thing that your country is required to do. They want it to be a whole-of-population approach. So to me, if they say whole-of-population, what that means is their recommendations will be followed by every citizen. But they don't just want to look after pandemics. They want to be able to forecast future pandemics and talk about strategies for that. They also want to control climate change, supply chains, Animal health. So it's very wide-ranging. So to me, that might mean, oh, geez, uh, climate change is contributing to, I don't know, whatever. So we need to do X, Y, and Z. But all of a sudden, my point is, you've got this group of unelected officials starting to dictate how we run our country, which is going to, you know, by extension, impact on my life. Yeah. Well, our country will lose its sovereignty and, and, we, and the world will be governed by one world government. So I was looking through the... Yeah, well, I was looking through the WHO list of um, uh, financiers, for want of a better word, this morning on the computer because you can get all their records of people who made their main um, contribution. So the main, the second largest contributor for 18, 19, 19, 20, and 21, 22, I'm talking about years, was Bill and Melinda Gates. Yeah. So that's a man who, look, a lot of people think he's the best man on earth and he's a philanthropist and all that sort of stuff and make your own opinion on him, like do some research and I've, I've got my own opinions. Yeah. But but my point is, if Bill Gates is the second biggest donator, like uh, countries seem to take their turns. I think one year the, the largest was the US, one year the largest was Germany, one year the largest was Great Britain. So maybe all the big countries step up and they, they obviously pr- contribute a lot of money. But Bill Gates being the second biggest contributor I would imagine, would wield a very large amount of power within that organisation. Absolutely. Now, I never elected Bill Gates to meddle 
with how my country is run mm. because I don't know what his motivations are. Yeah. Maybe no... they're good, but maybe they're not good. But my point is, how do I vote the cunt out? Yeah. Excuse yeah. me, we'll edit that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do I vote him out? Yeah. Keep it in there. Yeah. Because he is wielding an amazing amount of power. Yeah. Well, you, you are, it's not a conspiracy theory. And it's you not are a conspiracy. Go to the WHO website and look at it. You are completely naive to think that for all the money that he puts in there, that he would have no influence. Well, oh, I'm just going to put this money in there, but I trust that whoever's whoever's in that WHO is going to do the right thing. But if it's against what I want, like Bill Gates is the biggest landowner in America. Mm, he has yeah. bought up a ton of farms yep. and he's pushing hard on fake meat. Yeah. Right? So you, you're naive or ignorant to think that he wouldn't have some influence on the WHO to reduce the amount of red meat mm-hmm. and push his fake meat. Yeah. Yeah. There is no way that's the, the, there's no way he's he's going to contribute so much money to that organization and say no, no, that's cool. You go against what I've done. Mm-hmm. I've, I've built all, I've bought all this land. There's no way that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. That's not a conspiracy and, theory. And yeah, that is no. not, that's really naive and, if and you are wrong. And join the dots, man. Why, yeah. why are they now so heavy on fucking cattle emitting so many CO2 emissions and then wanting farmers to reduce their cattle head, uh, per, per head cattle, whatever, and, and imposing extra taxes on them per, per mm-hmm. head of cattle so that they do reduce them? You know, they're, they're trying to eliminate the beef industry yep. so that they can produce this fake meat for all of the, for all of us. The, the, there'll be beef industry around, but they'll provide for the one percent, mm. you know, billionaires that that are enforcing the rules upon us. But we, that and that goes back to we were talking about it a little bit earlier. Your freedom to choose, right? So yeah, if yeah. you want to buy fake meat, go ahead and buy it, but. People should be informed and make the decision to oh. to spend their money where they see fit. Yeah, and yep. and, and look at the the ingredients that they've they've seen on these fake meat things are, are just toxic. They're all oh. unnatural product uh, mm. ingredients. Yeah. Even if you just don't want to eat the soy because you don't want to grow man boobs, that's start right there. But all the other stuff that goes into them is is horrifying, and it's all yeah. you know genetically modified monocrop soy and sprayed mm. with all sorts of pesticides yeah. and herbicides and all that sort of stuff. You don't want to be eating that stuff. And going back to the WHO, the, the director, the director general of the WHO, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, Tedros. Tedros uh, Ghebreyesus, whatever, mm. from Somalia. I think he's from Somalia. Something uh, like that. I'd encourage people just to have a look at, and don't just Google, use another alternative source, have a look at his history. Yeah. See where he comes from. Yeah, I think he had a few human rights uh, <sighs> strikes back in the day. You know, and he's, yeah. he's the d- director general of the World Health Organisation. Yeah. I mean... Look at another one, the World Economic Forum. Yeah. I think everyone these days has probably heard of the World Economic Forum. Who elects those? How do I vote out Klaus? Yeah. How do I say, hang on a sec, yeah. you look a bit too much like Dr. Evil for my liking. Mm. <laughs> Get out. I don't want you controlling my... Like, they came out and said, um, by 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Yeah. I don't want to own... No- you know what? I would own nothing if every single person in the world decides that they'll all own nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to own nothing if I'm the 99% of people that own nothing and then 1% own everything. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. No. If every single person on earth says we're all equal, nobody has any extra status and we'll all share, I will engage in that. Yeah. But if they say, no, no, well, that's most people, but then Sounds very clearly communist, mate. some of us need Commun- to own everything. 
I'm not down for that. It does. It that's, does that's socialist. That's, that's well, communism in, and socialism. In theory, it works, doesn't it? Communism? Yeah, on you, a bit of paper, it works really well. Everyone is equal. Everyone gets the same thing. But yeah. it just doesn't work in real life. And the thing is, though, touch on the World Economic Forum there, Smitty. Um, you, you discuss any of these things, like you just mentioned, about you, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. You'll eat less meat. You'll eat insects for protein. You'll, you'll, you won't drive a, 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 a fossil fuel car. You're ready to be electric. You live in a smart city. You mention these to, to normal folk, and you you, you laughed at. Yeah. But they've actually documented it in the World Economic Forum web uh, webpage. You go onto it. Can I read you guys something? It goes for two or three minutes. It's long, and I'll probably butcher it. But it's from the World Economic Forum. It was prior to their 2016 uh, meeting at Davos, yep. where they came out with this: "You'll own nothing. You'll be happy." Do you want to hear this? Go for it. Totally dystopian nightmare of their vision for 2030. Go for it. 2030. So, and this is hang on, this is off their website. No, it's from a World Economic Forum contributor who took this to the World Economic Forum and they discussed it. And then after that, the World Economic Forum released a video, like eight things you should expect from 2030. And it was strikingly similar to what this is. This is from a person from the World Economic Forum. Okay. So again, unelected official. How do I vote these guys out? Mm -hmm. Do you guys know? How do you vote them out? No idea. I didn't know. They're a private private organisation. They have a hell of a lot of sway. Yeah. So (laughs) this is their vision. I'm going to butcher this. Welcome to the year 2030. Welcome to my city, or should I say, our city. I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or any clothes. It might seem odd to you, but it makes perfect sense for us in this city. Everything you considered a product has now become a service. We have access to transportation, accommodation, food, and all things we need in our daily lives. One by one, all these things became free, so it ended up not making any sense for us to own much. First, communication became digitised and free to everyone. Then, when clean energy became free, things really started to move more quickly. Transportation dropped dramatically in price. It made no sense for us to own cars anymore because we could all have a driverless vehicle or flying car for longer journeys within minutes. We started transporting ourselves in a much more organised and coordinated way when public transport became easier, quicker and more convenient than a car. Now, I can hardly believe that we accepted congestion from traffic jams, not to mention air pollution from combustion engines. What were we thinking? Sometimes I use my bike, I don't know how they would use their bike because they own nothing, when I go to see my friends. I enjoy the exercise of the ride. It kind of gets the soul to come along on the journey. Funny how some things never seem to lose their excitement, walking, biking, cooking, drawing and growing plants. That makes perfect sense us and reminds us how our culture emerged out of a close relationship with nature. In our city, we don't pay any rent because sometimes uh, something else, someone else is using our free space whenever we don't need it. My living room is used for business meetings when I'm not there. Once in a while, I choose to cook for myself. Uh, blah, blah, blah. They talk about making pasta. Um, I'll go on. Uh, my biggest concern is all those who don't live in our city, those we lost along the way. Those who decided that it became too much with all this technology. Those who felt obsolete and useless when robots and AI took over big parts of our jobs. Those who got upset with the political system and turned against it. They live a different kind of life outside the city. Some have formed little self-supplying communities. Others just stayed in an empty and abandoned house in a small 19th century village. Once in a while, I get annoyed about the fact that I have no real privacy. Nowhere I can go and not be registered. I know that somewhere, everything I do, think and dream of is recorded. I just hope nobody else will use it against me. All in all, it's a good life, much better than the path we were on, where it became so clear we could not continue with the same model of growth. 
We had all these terrible things happening, lifestyle diseases, climate change, refugee crisis, environmental degradation, completely congested cities, water pollution, air pollution, social unrest and unemployment. We lost way too many people before we realised we could do things differently. Wow. That kind of sounds dystopian to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just an old so-and-so who is not hip with the times, but people living in big cities who own absolutely nothing and then this band, this rabble of people who want to live close to nature and want to live free outside. Mate, show me the road to the like self-supplying a, village. Oh, I mean, I'm living eh? in the country already. I'm not staying Man. in the city, but... The part about wow. everything I do, think and dream is registered, no privacy. That's I don't like that, nothing. but that's cool. It's hey. one of the trade-offs is kind of what he's saying. But also, just... just but they're those kind of selling that as like a good thing. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. That's, it, that's just brainwashing propaganda, mate. Yeah. And, and the things that you listed there towards the end, what were the things that um, they, they suffered in the previous life? Just can you read those things out again? Oh, like the in things that were happening to refugees. facilitate this change. Yeah. It was um, environmental. Uh, so it was lifestyle diseases. Yeah. Oh, surprise, check. surprise. Yeah. Check. Climate change. Check. check. Refugee crisis. Check. Check. Environmental degradation. Check. Check. Congested cities. Check. Water pollution. Air pollution. Social unrest. Unemployment. Check. Check. And so all of those things are going away if we have. These smart own cities. nothing smart cities. But isn't it interesting that these things that we just listed now, we're seeing more of. We're seeing supply chains um, depleted. We're seeing refugee crises in particularly European countries. We're, we're seeing these, this list of things to set up but that's nothing, this new world that they want to bring in. That's nothing new and it won't, yeah, it won't change in the future. No matter mm. what, you, you bring in... 15-minute cities. That's Maybe it will, but they're all just living in the rubble outside the city, so well, you won't know yeah, about it. It's a Mad Max <laughs> kind of thing. I better get myself some rad motorbikes to ride yeah. in the uh, dystopian wasteland of the country. I don't know. Man. I don't know. It sounds really... It does sound far out, but... It sounds far out there to me. But I think but I value stuff privacy. I value yep. privacy. I do. Yep. I think one of the biggest problems with uh, if we move into like a central bank digital currency, which Australia is currently trialling, is privacy. Because once you have a fully digital currency, there is no privacy of any of your expenditure. It's all on the public record. Yeah. Like I'll read you another small little uh, quote here. As hundreds of governments explore fully traceable, programmable and permission-based digital currency, every citizen will have a digital wallet pegged to their digital identity. Uh, and then if you further go on, the requirement for a digital identity will be your medical history and vaccination status, your credit history, your social media activity and your purchasing behaviour. Wow. Now, to me, that sounds quite all-encompassing in terms of all the things that I hold uh, private. Yes. If I want to spend all my money on comic books, which I don't, but it's just a, the first thing I came up with, that's on me. I don't need to tell people about it. That's right. Maybe I love, I don't know, Lego. Yep. I don't love Lego. I know guys that do. <laughs> Maybe I want to spend all my money on Lego. I don't know. Whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Like, I well, the issue is that permission-based where it said... Yeah. So traceable, programmable, permission-based. Permission-based. So so traceable. So first of all, so every single, obviously, transaction you make is traceable because, of course, how could it not be because it's digital? So we know, I know now everything I buy on my credit card or electronically is traceable. I get that. But it's not immediately able to be shut down. No. no. So you can buy it. It's traced, yeah? Yeah. yeah. But at, they're saying this permission-based, yeah. you... you Oh, you could probably go into the whole bit of how how you know if you use your FPOS card how it works. It goes to the goes to the bank, 
The bank then gathers them all up sort of at the end of the day, then pays the individual companies. Yeah. Central banking means that middleman of the bank is skipped and it goes straight to that one. Mm-hmm. And then they have the ability to shut that down immediately. Yeah. So whatever I buy at the moment can't be shut down Yeah. because it goes off, goes to the bank, they hold it for the day. Then at the end of the day, they kind of ferry it out to uh, the different companies mm-hmm. there. This one just will go straight there. So if I'm, yeah. bought, I'm about to buy my grass fed organic beef because I eat a lot of that, I'm now, it's a permission-based system. You've had yeah. too much of your grass-fed organic beef. Mm-hmm. No, Chris, you cannot buy that. Shut yeah. down. You're going to, um, stopped, denied right then. Mm-hmm. I can't, that can't happen at the moment. No. No, you could go and buy all the meat you want. Like, I mean, I did a carnivore diet a while ago. I was eating mm. a shit ton of meat every week. So it, because of They you, might say, well, meat, carbon, methane. You've used too much you know, of your. You're having 200 grams a week, sunshine, that's it. And that's also a f- flawed Metric, the uh, exactly. yeah, of methane-based argument. Yeah. But anyway, and yeah. And permission-based, so they can just... That's what I mean, permission-based. So, I mean, look at the um, look at the trucker protests in Canada. Yeah. Do you see what happened to some of the people that funded the, that, yeah. the truckers? Yeah, that's right. They got their bank accounts closed yeah. down. But their bank accounts closed. Mm. Yeah. Well, that might be all right in a society where you also have cash. Maybe some of those people also had a safe full of cash at home. They go, oh, yeah, my bank account's been closed for a while. I've got some money. I can still live. What if you move to a digital... Currency and there is no cash. They say, our oh, cash is dirty, cash is obsolete. We're digital, right? We're digital, that's it. There is no plan B. You could just get shut. Hey, I saw you protesting the other day. Boom, shut down for a week. Yeah. Shut down for a year. Whatever. Saw your face on a facial recognition camera protesting against a government um, policy. You're shut down. Freedom to transact. What, what, what are you doing? Right yeah. there. Pay the yeah. bills. Nah, put food on the table. Yeah. What about they say, oh, because it's talking about linking your social media activity and your purchasing behaviour. Oh, we're getting a bit of a picture of you here, Rooster. You're a bit of a uh, conspiracy theorist, aren't you? I think we're going to take away all of your discretionary items and you can only pay bills, your mortgage, and some basic food. Whatever. Like, mm. it's crazy. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's, mate, we're talking about. But we're trialing freedom. it in Australia at the moment. So yeah. we're trialing uh, Commonwealth with Bank the and banks. ANZ. ANZ and Combank are currently yep. trialing it, along yep. with, I think, 140 other institutions within Australia. But all around the world, it's being trialed, and it's pretty clear that it's probably going to come in in some format. But if you value your privacy and you value cash, start using cash. Yeah. Vote with your feet. Yeah. I mean, you know, write you, a letter. You, you <laughs> mentioned this to people, and they and, and people who are sort of like, into the cryptocurrency thing, say that, well, banks have to do this to compete with the, the decentralization of, of cryptocurrency, which I don't really understand. I don't really get crypto, to be honest with you. Um, but this is their argument putting forward to say that governments have, uh, banks have to do this to bring in a digital currency, a decentralized digital currency mm. to compete with... But this is completely centralized. This isn't decentralized. Yeah, this it's is centralized. centralized. This is, this yeah. is so all of it goes through so one central bank digital currency. Mm. Yeah, yeah, CBD, yeah, yeah. So crypto is decentralized. You yes. can't. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. So like with, uh, I know a little bit about crypto. I'm definitely no expert, but look at um, like Bitcoin for example. There's there's you know these miners, these computers all around the world, which are scattered everywhere, are all solving the same thing at the same time. They all have to. Uh, the ledger is the same. Yeah. So if anyone finds a discrepancy, then everyone else picks up on it. You can't just close down one central server and then 
you know, Bitcoin's cooked. They're all working together. It's it's fully decentralized. Yeah. And some crypto countries, cu- country, some cryptocurrencies are centralized, but a lot of them, their big claim to fame is that they are completely decentralized. There is no central, I don't know, mainframe server, or whatever that just controls everything like a central bank right. where they just go, all right, well, we're going to do this. It's like, well, we're not going to do this, you know, and it's decentralized. So the different, you know, it's like power, like centralized versus decentralized. Like I'm all for getting rid of all these giant, faceless, unelected organizations that hold swathes of power and giving more local power that I can vote on at a level that affects me. Yeah. So I don't feel at the moment, like even when the federal uh, election comes up, that I really have much of a say in what happens. I'm yeah. usually always voting for a minor party. Yeah. I know they're never going to get in. And the difference between Labor and Liberal, which are the only two parties that can really form a government, really is very similar these days. Oh, yeah. So I'm all for the opposite, like maybe giving local governments a lot more power and having yeah. a, a smaller voting footprint, if you will. Yeah. And if I start to realise that the one I'm in is sort of not aligned with my values, I'll go and live somewhere you know, where it's more closely aligned or whatever. But at yeah. the moment, it seems like we've got this top-down sort of mm. authoritarianness yes. coming yes. to the world. And there just doesn't seem to be much of a way to sort of counteract it apart from civil disobedience. If you don't like it, don't participate in it. Mm. If you don't want central bank digital currency to come in, don't use it when it comes out. Use cash. That's a, and yeah, Civil disobedience. You know, is, don't yeah. break any laws. Like, don't go and hurt anyone. Don't it's not, punch it's not, anyone. Yeah. <laughs> violent, violent protest. Don't, don't go and attack a policeman. Police are good people. They're trying to protect the community or whatever. Just don't obey. Yeah. It's It's... It's putting your money into things that you think are worthwhile. Yeah, exactly. It's to it's living where you think's worthwhile. Yep. It's yeah. Making things work yeah. for you. Yeah, go and meet your local farmer or where your food comes from or like mm. we buy some of our food from a um, cooperative. Stops me going to Woolies and Coles because I don't like them. Yeah. So a lot of our food we buy through a cooperative where you put in an order and there's literally a cooperation of I don't know, maybe 100 families, and they all put in a giant order so you get the purchasing power and then you go to someone's house and you pick it up. You've all got your own bags. And you can either pay for someone to bag it up for you or you can go and um, contribute to the labour of it and then you get a slightly reduced price on all your groceries. And it all comes from like organic, ethically sourced uh, sort of places. You know, it's not a solution to everything, but it's one little example of like a community-based thing where you're supporting something that you like rather than, well, I don't really like you, Coles and Woolies, because you made me wear a mask and you wouldn't let me in and yeah, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And we, we need more people to be talking with their money. Yeah, that's the only thing really that uh, you know. Vote with your vote with your wallet. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And and more people doing it. You know, it's, um, like like you say, like government. It just seems that 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 at that federal government level, they seem to be ever so much more powerful and intrusive in our lives. Mm. You know, where what you're saying is what we need is more localized government. Government, not control, but government, um, where where they where people have more of a say with the way their their community is run, not a government dictating from the top about how you should live your life. Yeah, and that's what I think really upset a lot of people. That governments are getting bigger and more ever controlling and powerful. Yeah, and, and I and I heard read somewhere here it says uh, 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 when governments become so big and powerful, um, are they the parasite that consumes the host? And the host being us, the populace. Mm. They're yeah. not working for us in the end, are they? No. They're working to be re-elected. They're working to have their interests. They're always being lobbied by yeah, big pharma, 
whatever mm. it is, big yeah. ag. Well, yeah. lobbyists have a big – they're a big problem mm. in, in politics. Yeah. 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 If you're a lobbyist, you have got a lot of money to give yeah. and you want some stuff in return. Yeah. yeah. It's not like Joe Voder, me, who writes my local MP and says, hey, man, I'm really uh, not loving this. Yeah. Then he's got old, uh, you know, farmer or whatever lobbyist next to him going, hey, man, I'll give you – Three million dollars for your next election, but I'm going to expect some favors in return. Yeah, he goes, yeah. Well, I don't really care about Smithy writing any stupid letter about you know doesn't. <laughs> yeah, but that, and that's why you maybe things need to change, and it needs to be more at a local level, and you have more local government people. Yeah, possibly more local politicians. Yeah, well, I, politicians. Bad word. One of the U.S. founding fathers, um, Patrick Henry, in 1775, before the uh, Civil War, he was quoted, and it's a famous quote of uh, give me liberty or give me death. And then there was this author, um, uh, Aldous Huxley, and he wrote a book, uh, you might have heard about it, called Brave New World. Yeah. It's supposed to be pretty good. It's like on the lines of 1984. And I think he wrote that book in 1930s. Um, but then he revisited the book in the, in the 60s. Um, and, he, and he gave a quote then in relation to that founding father's quote. And it says, give me television and hamburgers but don't bother me with the responsibilities of liberty. I found that like such a contrast in the concept of freedom in the old days compared to modern modern days. And he went on this um, this Elders Huxley in 1961 when he made that quote, and he predicted this in in the 60s. He said there will be in the next generation or so a pharmaceutical method of making people love their servitude and producing dictatorship without tears so to speak, producing a kind of painless concentration camp for entire cities. So just go on your 15-minute um, city thing there. He continued, so that people will in fact have their liberties taken away from them but will rather enjoy it because they will be distracted from any desire to rebel by propaganda or brainwashing or brainwashing enhanced by pharmaceutical methods and this seems to be the final revolution. Mm. Man. Did you see during the depths of all the craziness we went through, at one stage they were suggesting that uh, anti-vaxxers should be treated as essentially mentally ill, should be medicated? There's some doctors actually saying that yeah. in Australia. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Crazy. The funny thing is if you look at the demographic of um, people who chose not to receive the jab, they're usually actually quite educated. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, mate. Yeah, which is yeah. a funny one. And you don't often come across a person that didn't get jabbed uh, who regrets not getting jabbed? Jeez, <laughs> 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 I wish I got that needle. Yeah. Isn't it funny? Look at uh, places like uh, Florida, who didn't really enforce the mandates and the masking to the same degree, and uh, yeah. their rates of everything was pretty similar. Yeah, or well, wasn't it also um, like a, a sw- was it Switzerland that didn't do the the, the mass um, lockdowns? Sweden was it Sweden? Sweden. Yeah, didn't do. Yeah, Sweden. They were strong on it. Yeah, and and their um their curves just went. Well, I think everyone just sort of got it and got that herd immunity, mm. and and so cases dropped massively. And, and yeah, and I, and I think there was some um scientists that might have been um, Matthias, not Matthias Desmet, um, another real popular scientist that, c- that spoke out, and he talked about vaccinating a population during a pandemic was oh. the worst thing you can ever do. What was his name? I think that was pretty much in like every virology. Virology textbook leading up to yeah Gert van den Bosch yes thank you mate oh ex, Gert uh, van den Bosch CEO of Pfizer or something or second in charge of Pfizer at one stage or something is that van der Bosch van der was Bosch? he no, I don't think he was no mm. no I'm getting confused with someone else uh, Gert van der Bosch is a world renowned fucking epidemiologist yeah. or virologist yeah. or whatever well he was saying that then the v- the virus can 
mutate, mutate and which get it did. and get around yeah. the the vaccine that you initially planned it for. Yeah, it then gets around it, and then yeah, mm. the vaccine's essentially useless because it's vi- um it's mutated. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah man. Yeah, should we um should we wind? Yeah, are we free to wind things up? Have you got anything else, Smitty? Because you you had a lot of stuff there to talk about. Oh man, I got heaps, but <laughs> <laughs> three parter. Oh look, we've probably we've probably gone pretty pretty deep. I hope we haven't put a lot of people off because we've said some pretty confronting things here today. But I think our motivation is that, like we spoke about, we're obviously trying to um, encourage people to go and do some research as to where we're going and have a active actively participate in what our future looks like, aren't we? So when we were talking about like how do we you know, how do you um, motivate or influence people to go and have a look at what's happening? I guess this is our attempt to do it, isn't it? Like through this little podcast, through our small listenership, we're trying to trying to put forward some sort of rational um, arguments that people can go and chase. Information is power. Information is power, but if you just be careful about where you get your information from, because we know that uh, one of the biggest things that we probably haven't gone into deep is just is just censorship. Mm. Yes, like, I mean, we know that yeah. search engines can censor and direct where your searches go and they can also disappear things. Yeah. And it's quite hard now to get stuff that is um, reliable or plausible when you're looking for your sources. You need to be yeah. real discerning. Well, it's, it's a known at, yeah. fact now. It's a known fact that those major social media platforms um, have censored information oh, against yeah. whatever narrative that they've been told by government agencies and so on. So it, yep. it's, it's a fact that if you jump on you know, just a Google search, you're not going to get accurate no. information. You're going to get contrived information or information that uh, is wanted you to see. You've got to do a little bit of digging. Yes. And then you've got to get some keywords and you've got to go to a, uh, a less um, censored browser. I mean, that's the state that we're in now. People just take that, oh, yeah, we know Google censors, you know, yeah. it's for our own good. Well, like I'd prefer to be able to, you know, like take some out there thing like um, – I don't know, flat earthers. I'm not a flat earther, right? I don't believe that the earth is flat. I've been up high in the sky. I've seen the curvature of the earth, whatever. (laughs) But if someone wants to believe in flat earth and have a website about it, fill your boots, man. I don't care. Mm. You're not going to ruin my life by believing that the earth's flat. Mm. You believe that if you sail long enough for one direction, you're going to fall off the edge of the earth. That's that's your belief. Go go do it. You know, like as long as you're not inciting violence, you're not inciting uh, like, um, you know, harm to children or something like that. I believe that everyone's idea should be allowed to flourish on the internet and I don't believe in censorship. Yeah. And I, I, I don't believe in it, but be aware that censorship is everywhere. Yeah, it's and, in and our we media, haven't even touched... It's in our social media, it's in our search engines. You know. Yes, it is. And we haven't even touched on freedom of speech. No. Well, and, and that is one thing that is just being attacked massively now. So in workplace or even in even at a, at a social function, I can't say certain things no. without being accused of of an ist you're a racist you're a sexist you're in something ist yeah you're anti-science yeah i I can't i have alternate beliefs but that's not allowed anymore yeah and i can't speak them out and particularly in the workplace the workplace has gone mental with if i speak my mind if i if i walk out on a welcome to country and say look i don't i don't need to be welcome to my own country I was born here. This is my country. I don't need to be welcomed to it. You'd be sacked, I would say, or I'd probably, I'd probably be heavily penalized, uh, reprimanded, yeah. reprimanded. You know, or, or, or my actions would be deemed as you, you're racist. 
but I'm not racist. I've got great Indigenous friends, and I uphold their their um, their history and their um, their their culture. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful culture, and I've, I've, it's amazing. I've, they managed to live on the earth for like yeah, I don't know, is it a hundred thousand years yeah. or whatever, and not, and not yeah. fuck it up. But uh, even a lot of Indigenous <laughs> they lived with nature. Now we live like against nature. Yeah, and a lot of Indigenous leaders will actually even talk against the welcome to country, saying that this is just tokenism. We don't we yeah. don't need this in our organisations or whatever. And yeah. but then if I say speak out about it, I'm reprimanded. I think the freedom of speech is um I mean language is 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 powerful. Yeah. If you can control language, you control the control yeah. the people. Your actions are more powerful though, don't forget that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And also, like people have got to be aware of. Um, there's a lot of junk science going around now. There's a lot of science that is absolute. So, like when when we, the last few years when we came to all this craziness, I'm a bit of a nerd and I don't mind using uh, like PubMed and like scientific, uh, you know, search engines to look for stuff. One thing I noticed happening, right? I got very interested in ivermectin at the start, like right at the start. I thought, well, this looks really promising. And there was a um, study released by. Um, uh, Melbourne Uni maybe or something like that. Yeah, yeah. early on. Early, early yeah, on. Like I mean, like doing. early 2020, like or maybe April 2020 or something like that. And I thought, wow, this looks really good. So I started reading all these, um, all these papers about the use of um, ivermectin as a, as an antiviral. Oh, this is amazing! Like, we don't even need a vaccine. This is going to be great. And then what I started noticing is all this science started to get done around it. It's what I call junk science, right? So like. Science can be polluted really easily, and I'll tell you how they do it, is that the, the sort of pinnacle of good science is you want to look at like a, a large-scale meta-analysis which looks at lots of different studies, and then you get a picture of the efficacy or lack of efficacy or something. If you want to pollute that, which, which I think is what they did with ivermectin, they had some absolutely compelling studies where you look at this study and you go, wow, this stuff really works. You take, uh, you know, 0.4 milligrams per kilo a day for X amount of days and it's got amazing um, antiviral properties and the recovery rates are a lot better than the placebo group and even better than the vaccine group. You go, wow, this is awesome. But then if you want to pollute that, what you do is you start doing all these really crap studies. You do terrible methodology. You do the absolute wrong doses, way too low and then you roll them all together and you go, oh, well, we've looked at it in a large-scale meta-analysis and it's inconclusive. Mm-hmm. You go, well, it's inconclusive because someone's paid for all these junk science studies to be included into this whole thing. So like, be discerning where you get all your information from. Yeah. Go in, dig into it, read. Don't read a study that had 12 people in it that went for two weeks with no control group, single-blinded, because it's junk science, right? Mm-hmm. Look at a proper scientific study done with proper methodology that's been oh, – peer review is a bit dodgy these days as well because yeah. peer review is a, <laughs> a whole other thing. But, yeah, yeah like, I just hope people today go away. Look at the conflicts. If everything that we say is super confronting and you're really angry with us, I get that. But go away and just research like one thing that we spoke about and really try your best to research it and look at all the different strains of information and just see if it gels with you and see if there's anything there that resonates. And if not, that's fine. Maybe we're wrong. I accept that maybe everything I think about is wrong and my opinions change on a daily basis, but I'm, I'm pro-freedom and... Uh, but prove it to me. Prove it to me. <laughs> send me something. Send us something yeah. on Instagram. Send us something on the email, whatever, and change my mind. Prove to me why I'm crazy that I think that we deserve a certain amount of freedom, liberty. You know, We'll go from there. Because you're a human being, mate. You're human. right. You're right as a human being. Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, and I hope my daughter grows up in a world where she's allowed to uh, travel and express opinions and ideas yeah. and live an essentially free life. Yeah. yeah. Not a life uh, without laws and all that sort of stuff. Like Just, just a free life that's uh, respectful of others. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Same. He's done it again. Well, I was going to take him over. I was going to ask you if I could finish off today. Yes, please do, because I've been sprouting off a lot of quotes. I thought this is a a perfect quote. It could be up over 20 quotes You have had some good... I like it. I love it. Yeah, I love it. All right, I'll finish off with this. We're going to finish off? Yes, we will. All right, we'll say goodbye now. See ya. (laughs) Good chat. (laughs) From Oberon Herbert. Time is a great magician. And succeeding generations will either press steadily on to the system that is the perfection of force or to the perfection of liberty. On which side do you take?